Well, thank you, Brother Terry. Thank you, choir. Uh, thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. And we pray that it uh, brought honor to the Lord Jesus. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. We want to look at verses 7 through 10. Genesis chapter 13. I know the slide may have verse 8, but I slipped another one in there this morning when I got here. Uh, This morning I want to share with you on mission with God, the decisions of Lot. You know, we're going to be on mission with God. There are a lot of decisions that we're going to have to make, and they need to all be positive decisions. They don't need to be negative decisions, but positive decisions, the things that will help us as we help the mission, reaching a lost world uh, to, to Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 13, let's look at verse 7 and following. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzites dwelt in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Just kindly to bring you up to where we are, last week I began a mini-series on the life of Lot, the nephew of Abraham. And I made a statement at the beginning of last week's message, and I want to carry this on until we finish the series, that when a person places their faith in Jesus Christ, at that time God gives them eternal life. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Least any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore, a person who is saved will never experience the second death. A person who trusts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life will never go to that dreadful place called hell. However, the Bible says that the saved person could live their life in such a backslidden condition that that person could taste a little bit of hell here on earth. And Lot is an example of a righteous person who would taste a little hell while he was on earth. Lot was a believer, but Lot was also a backslider. Lot had a relationship with God, but Lot did not have any fellowship with God. Lot, first of all, was a man that had a special family. We talked about this. His uncle was Abraham. Abraham created, while Lot was living with him, Abraham created an atmosphere 
in his home that was conducive to faith in God. And Abraham, no doubt, lived a life where Lot could see that Abraham truly trusted God, Jehovah God. He had a living testimony before his nephew. So Abraham gave Lot a godly heritage, and that's what we need to be given our families, our children, our grandchildren, in this case, his nephew, our nieces and nephews. So Lot had a special family. He had Abraham as an uncle. And Abraham left a, a, a spiritual heritage for him. And secondly, Lot had a saving faith. He was a, he was a just man, according to Peter. He was a just man. He was a righteous man. The Bible says that he had a righteous soul. So some, at some time, we don't know exactly when, in his early life or midlife, whenever, Lot had gotten saved. The Bible says he was a righteous person. Now, you don't obtain the righteousness that gets you to heaven by things that you do yourself. The Bible says your righteousness are as filthy rags. The only way that you and I will ever get to heaven is to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, of God Almighty. And that is credited to us. God's righteousness is credited to us when we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. So somewhere along the line, Lot had accepted God, Jehovah God, as his God. And we're told in the Bible that Lot was a just man, he was a righteous man, and he had a righteous soul. So sometime in his early life, Lot had gotten saved. Lot had a special family. Lot had a saving faith. And then he had a significant fortune. We're told in Genesis 13, there verse 1 and 2 and verse 5, where Abraham and Lot both owned herds. They had, they had, uh, they had herds and they had... Uh, flocks and they had tents and God had blessed them with that the point is what whatever God calls you to do or whatever God calls me to do or what he calls us to do as a church everything that God calls us to do God will give us everything we need to do what he's called us to do individually and as a church the point is it was God that had given Abraham and Lot their flocks and their herds and their tents. Nothing that they did themselves. However, we must be warned not to get our eyes out of focus, that we need to keep our eyes focused on the blesser and not our blessings. And he warned Lot about this. Abraham did. And so this is where Lot made a devastating decision. And all of us make decisions. We made decisions today. We made decisions about whether to get up, when to get up, and when to start getting dressed, and what to have for breakfast, and when to leave to come to church, and where we're coming for Bible study, or, or just coming for worship. Or You'll make a decision where you come back this afternoon. Life is full of decisions. I heard about a little boy who was, his father went to him and said, I have a job for you to do. I want you to sort potatoes. So he carries them out to, to the barn there, and he had a big old pile of potatoes. He said, I want you to sort these potatoes. I want you to put the big potatoes in this pile. I want you to put the medium potatoes in this pile. And I want you to put the small potatoes in this pile. Thank you and handle that. And he said, sure. And so the father turns, and he walks away. 
And just a little while later, this little boy came running to the father and he said, Dad, I want to quit. He says, well, why do you want to quit? Is the work too hard? He said, no, the work's not all that hard, but all these decisions are killing me. Well, we have to make them. Life is made up of decisions. We've made them already today. And today, God may just be calling you to make a decision this morning during this worship service. Life is full of decisions. And the point is that if you've made good decisions in your life, if you've made good decisions in your life, today you're living with the good consequences of those decisions. On the other hand, if you've made bad decisions in your life, you must live with the bad consequences of your decisions. That's why it's important to make sure you make good decisions. Now, I want you to notice Lot's decision. Look, if you will, at verse 7, chapter 13. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelt then in the land. Now, notice there, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham and Lot. Now, it's terrible. It's, it's really terrible when there's strife between anybody. But it's really terrible. It's really almost beyond terrible. It's to the point of a disgrace when Christians can't get along with each other. That's far more than terrible, I believe. It's almost disgraceful when we air our dirty laundry and discuss our strife in front of unbelievers. If you'll notice, the Bible says there in verse 7 that the Canaanites and the Perizzites were in the land. They were not godly people. But I guarantee you, they heard what was going on between Abraham and his nephew. So the question is, what kind of witness is it to be to a lost world when two saved men cannot get along with each other? Or when Christians can't get along with each other? Now listen, God's people ought to be the most loving and the most caring people on the face of the earth. It's terrible when saved people can't get along with each other. A few months ago, last year to be exact, we I taught a course on Sunday night about eight or ten weeks about forgiveness. And, we, and the title of the, the study was Let's Have a Funeral. And at the end of the study, there were a number of us who met on Sunday night to go through this on disciple, in discipleship training. And we decided, because based on the Bible, that we need to bury our unforgiveness. And so we had a funeral at the end of that study. And as you circle the parking lot, as you go out of the parking lot today, out by near that basketball, go to the right side, close to the cemetery, you're going to see a tombstone. And we had a casket, and we put our people, we put cards of people who we struggled with for, some struggled for years and years of forgiving certain people. But they came to a point, after studying God's Word, that we came to a conclusion, really, that saved people are forgiving people. And we buried our unforgiveness out there, and there's a tombstone there that says we chose to forgive. 
Now, Abraham went to Lot. He went to Lot and he said, Lot, listen, we can't argue like this. And look at verse 9. He said, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And if thou wilt take the land, take the left hand, take the, the left hand, and then I'll go to the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. Lot, you just make a choice, and you go to the left or you go to the right, and whatever you choose, I'll take the other. Well, look at verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zoar. Now I want you to notice his decision. Lot made a covetous, a covetous decision. Now he noticed the plain of Jordan. You see it on the screen. That's actual the plain of Jordan. He noticed that well-watered plain. He noticed how lush it was. He noticed the greenery of it. He knew, he noticed that that would be an ideal place for his flocks and herds and his tents. He was a herdsman. And he thought to himself, no doubt, man, now, I mean, I can have that well-watered plain and just think, man, just think what I could do with my flocks and my herds with all of that green grass and with all of that good water. Just think what I could do with it. Can you imagine, can you imagine all the goats and the sheep that I could raise with all plenty of grass, plenty of water? And then he looked to the other side. And over on that other side, he just saw a barren desert land. Not a good place. Not a good place to raise sheep and goats and cows. On, on the other side, he saw a well-watered plain. It was a good place. That well-watered plain was a good place to raise sheep and goats and cows. But he never asked himself this question. Is it a good place to raise kids? Is it a good place to raise my family? Is it a good environment for me and my wife and my family? The point is, Lot made his decision based on a well-watered plain. Now, friend, listen. Money should not be the basis of our decisions. Now, we're going to have an election coming up pretty soon, and I've heard it. As long as I've been hearing about elections, I'll hear people say, well, I vote my pocketbook. Have you ever heard that? I, I hear it all the time. I vote my pocketbook. When I vote, I vote my pocketbook. Now listen, dear Christian, you ought not to vote the way you vote because of your pocketbook. You ought to vote the way you vote because of this book. This book. That's my, this is my concern. And it should be your concern if you're a believer. So Lot looked at that well-watered plain and he thought, if I lived there, I could have a better house, I could drive a better car, I could make more money, or I could, my, my, I could have better clothes, I could have a boat, I could have a four-wheeler, I could have a vacation, I could have all of those things. I could give my kids the best thing in the world. I could give 
my kids the best thing the world has to offer. They can have those things, I've heard this, that I never had. I just want my kids to have the things that I never had. No doubt Lot thought that. But let me tell you something. The best thing you could give your child is not a better school or a neighborhood or clothes or a four-wheeler or a new boat or a Gulf Shores vacation, but the best thing you can give your child is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The point is, we should not be asking, is that a good place to raise sheep and goats and cows, but is that a good place to raise my children, my kids, my family, my wife? Is that a good environment for us? Wherever you live, or whatever you do, wherever you go, whatever decision you're trying to make this morning, whether it's to move, change jobs, change locations, make this make this decision in regards to a promotion, whatever it might be. Consider this, will this bring me closer to God or will this take me farther away from God? The point is we have fathers and mothers today who have compromised their standards, their values for a well-watered plane at the expense of their children. I found something quite interesting and uh, we'll read it to you. It's a, it's a secular song. I didn't even jot down the, the writer. But it made a lot of sense. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there, was no planes, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. And the cat's in the cradle, the silver spoon, the little boy blue, the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me how to throw? I said, not today. I, I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. And he said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to be like him. Well, the cat's in the cradle, the silver spoon, the little boy blue, the man in the moon. When, you're com when are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. Well, he came home from college just the other day, so much like a man. I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? And he shook his head and he said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. The little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time soon. I've long since retired. My son moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle, and the kids got the flu. But it's just nice talking to you, Dad. It, it's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue, the man in the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know. But we'll get together then, you know. We'd have a good time then. And so many parents today, because wanting a well-watered plane, 
compromising their standards, compromising their values for a well-watered plain. I've done that at the expense of their children. Parent, the best thing you can give your child is not a well-watered plain. It's not the best that the world has to offer. It's the best we can give our kids is to be a mother and daddy that love God, love Jesus Christ, love each other, put God first in their life. And when, when our kids follow us instead of following the world and following the almighty dollar, our footsteps will lead them to the cross. That's the best thing that you can give your kids. God help us as a church individually not to let money be the basis of our decisions. Let's, make, let's not make covetous decisions. But I noticed something else real quick. He made a covetous decision, but notice verse 10. He made a religious decision. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Now, there's a paradox in verse 10. There's a paradox between the garden of the Lord and the land of Egypt. Now, remember that when you, talk, when you speak about, and the Bible speaks about the garden of the Lord, that represents God's best for our lives. The garden of the Lord, everything man needed was in that garden. The garden of the Lord represents the best for man. When you study it, and the Bible speaks about Egypt, Egypt is a picture of the world, sin, flesh, and the devil. Now notice the reasoning with Lot. He looked at this well-watered plain, and he says, you know, that looks like the garden of the Lord. But it also looks like the land of Egypt. Now, the point is, Lot was wanting the best of both worlds. He wanted the garden of the Lord, and he also wanted the land of Egypt. Does, does that sound familiar with the way some people think today? They want the best of both worlds. They want the garden of the Lord, then they want the land of Egypt. They want the best of both worlds. All the advantages of the church. But they also want all the carnal pleasures of the world. We'll go to church when there's nothing else we can do. We don't have a trip to make. We'll go to church if it's a bad day, if it's raining, rains everything out. They want the best of both worlds. Did you know that some people join a church just to have a place to get married and to be buried? There are a number of people on our church roll here that I've never laid eyes on in almost 39 years that I feel like the only reason their name is on the roll is because they think they have to be a member to be buried out there. I've talked to one and they said, well, no, I moved my membership, I'm going to be buried there. They have no intention. Those that want the, those that want the best of both worlds have no intention of serving the Lord. They have no intention of contributing financially. They have no intention of soul winning. They have no intention of being 
involved in missions activity. They have no intention of bringing a bag of groceries for global world hunger or getting a shoebox for a child in a third world country. They have no intention of going on outreach on Tuesday night to reach a neighbor or a friend about Jesus or giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions or the Annie Armstrong for, for North American missions. They have no intention whatsoever. What they want is the garden of the Lord and also the land of Egypt. They want both. There are people who just want enough of God to come occasionally on Sunday morning service, but not enough of God to come back on Sunday night or Wednesday night. They just want that much of God. They don't want enough of God to get committed to soul winning ten times out of a year, two hours for ten nights each. They don't want enough God to spend time with God in His Word or talk to Him in prayer or work in the nursery or the children's church or the extended session or sing in the choir or whatever it is. That's too much God. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it don't work that way, folks. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the garden of the Lord and the land of Egypt. 1 Kings chapter 18. Listen to what Elijah told the people. Chapter 18, verse 21, I'm sorry. Chapter 18, verse 21. And Elijah came up unto all the people. And he said, How long will you halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. And if Baal, then follow Him. And the people answered not a word. Still trying to make up their mind. It's time that we make up our mind. We're going to serve Jesus. We're not going to serve Jesus. We want the well-watered plain or we want the land of Egypt. You can't have it both ways. Jesus said, if you're, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you turn your head back while plowing, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. It was a covetous decision it was a religious decision, the best of both worlds, the garden of the Lord. And the well-watered plains. And next week we're going to see how this, this decision that Lot made became a dangerous decision. Dangerous. Now let me ask you a question. Is God calling you to make a decision this morning? Are you going to follow God? Are you, going to, are you going to pursue Egypt? Now let me say something to the parents. Parents, listen, you need, if you're not a Christian this morning, you need to get saved. If, if the Holy Spirit's knocking at your heart's door, you need to get saved for your own sake. And you need to get saved for your children's sake. Where you can lead them to Christ. Are you going to follow God? Are you going to pursue Egypt? As a Christian today, are, are, you, are you living a covetous life? Are you just wanting more, 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 more and neglecting your spiritual responsibilities and your spiritual commitment? This morning, God may be calling you to be saved. This morning, God may be calling Christians to put Him first and not the world. 
This morning, God may be calling you to stop straddling the fence. You know, that word halt's an interesting word in the, Greek, in the Hebrew. It means to skip back and forth. And Elijah looked at them and he said, How long will you halt? How long will you stand on this side and you skip over to this side and you skip back over to this side and you skip back over to this side? That's what that word means. God may be saying, Hey, listen, you can't straddle the fence. You've got to make a decision. God may be calling you to, to forgive someone this morning. God may be calling you to, to move your membership. God may be calling you to be serious about your relationship with Him. You'll never be on mission, and we'll never be on mission as a church if we don't make the right decisions about that mission. And we can't live in the world and expect to be a part of His mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we can come together and open your word and be faced with Lot and the decisions that he made in his life. I pray for every person here this morning, Lord. And as you speak to us, as you call us to decision time, we pray that we'll follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit as we seek your will for our life. And regardless what the world believes and what the world does and what the world says, we're going to stick with you. Help us to be willing to be that committed to you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do today. I pray for those who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. And as you speak to their heart this morning, I pray that they'll get up and they'll just come and make a public profession of faith. And we make that prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.